So I'm head of communications for MoneyGram Has F1 team. Uh, primary function is to look after all the public relations and all the media communications. That's both internal, external. Uh, that's managing the, the PR media commitments for the drivers, for Gunther, working alongside our marketing department on partner liaison with media, um, setting the, the weekend schedule uh, for race weekend. And then anything else, we also do internal communications as well. Um, so that's it in a, in a nutshell, it's communications. Yep. And usually communications, people are the worst at communicating with each other, <laughs> but we have the responsibility to communicate with everybody else. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Track Limits podcast. We are here in Montreal and with my co-hosts Henny and Fevin. Today we have an incredible guest, a person who started his career in motorsport in 1998, joined the Haas F1 team in 2015 since the team started. Welcome, Stuart Morrison. Woo, Thank you very welcome, much. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, now we've heard a dirty rumor, Stuart, which is you're Scottish, but you're also Canadian. Uh, true, yes. True I, Canadian. I, I have both passport. passports, so yeah. yes. I rock them both. I did 12 years living in Canada, and they gave me a passport for my Incredible. troubles. Incredible. <laughs> and it must be great to be in Montreal then? Yeah, I love coming here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know the city so well, and my children were born here, so it just it's just that familiar feeling every time you come back. And you know, it's always great when you see other people on the team coming and maybe experiencing Montreal for the first time yep. uh, and them getting to enjoy it. So yeah, I love it. Definitely better to come back in June than December. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> any day. hundred percent. I always, <laughs> when people say, when should I come visit Toronto or Montreal? I'm like, between June to August. Yeah. 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 These guys always plan to just leave during the winter. Oh, yeah. We're not here in the <laughs> winter. We're snowbirds. Yeah, yeah I, I get asked a lot when I move back. I'm like, ah, I don't think I would now. You know, I, I absolutely love it. But to do winters again, no. yeah. nah, just, That's fair. Yeah. I think I've done my time. Incredible. Well, we have about 45 minutes here. We're going to break up our podcast into three sections. Q1, all related to your career, kind of racing in particular. The second is actually diving into you as a professional, as a person. You know, what makes you tick? How did you get into this career, etc.? And then finally, the rapid fire round, which is our favorite round. Yeah, of course. We're just going to pepper you with questions, see how fast you can go. Yep. Cool. Perfect. Q1, first question. In 30 seconds, tell us a little bit about your career. Bam. Uh, my, my <laughs> career to hot round. Yeah. career to date or what i do now uh, let's start just with you know what you do now yeah, what are kind of like the day-to-day -day okay. responsibilities look so like? i'm head of communications for moneygram has f1 team uh primary function is to look after all the public relations and all the media communications that's both internal external uh that's managing the the pr media commitments for the drivers for gunther mm -hmm. working alongside our marketing department on partner liaison with media um, setting the, the weekend schedule uh, for race weekend and then anything else we also do internal communications as well mm -hmm. um, so that's it in a, in a nutshell it's communications yep. and usually communications people are the worst at communicating with each other <laughs> but we have the responsibility to communicate with everybody else and does your role like fluctuate obviously depending on whether you're on track or off track does it look very different? Uh, it's kind of like the, a race weekend is a culmination of everything you've been doing in advance of the race weekend. So mm -hmm. basically my schedule is like a playbook. So mm -hmm. once we hit the track on a Thursday, it's literally everything's written down and it's just then going through the order. Thursday is the media day, so that's when we have our busy commitments. Uh, and then Friday to Saturday, Sunday, everything is then obviously related to what's happened on track. You know, the media sessions, the drivers talking about how they did or the bullpen appearance after qualifying and after the race. Um, but then during the week, you know, if we're in the office, it's a lot of forward planning, looking ahead. Mm -hmm. You know, we're all, I mean, at the moment, we're looking at Vegas and Abu Dhabi already. You're kind of looking things six months in advance so yeah the the office side of it is a little bit i don't want to say mundane that's actually when you have the time to focus on everything yeah, yeah. Mm. because when you're at the track so much of it is planned but then so much of it is also then reactive mm. because you never know what's actually going to happen so as much as we have the team pr schedule mm -hmm. you know if things happen you've got to be able to react to it and i've had a lot of experience <laughs> <Yeah. that. laughs> oh we would want i'm to sure you're going to get into specifics but oh, yeah. oh yes yeah. we'll probably get into that but before we do like what would you consider to be some one of your biggest achievements throughout your career so mm. far uh i mean two main things i mean when i lived here in canada i worked for myself so mm. i had 12 years self-employed uh and it was a case of if i wasn't working then you know, mortgage wasn't yeah, getting paid, yeah, that kind yeah. of thing. So I was able to sustain a career, you know, working in motorsport, worked a lot with Canadian drivers, um, worked in IndyCar, different things. So that personally is one of the things I'm, I'm proudest of. But that culminated in me then speaking to Haas about an opportunity. Mm, yeah. uh, and then really, yeah, to be able to to be, you know, the, the head of comms at Haas is, is a great honor. It's a privilege. You know, the way the sport has gone anyway, I mean, Formula One was always big. It was always the top. But now it's just gotten even bigger yeah. uh, which brings different challenges with it but I think uh, to, to get into that position and you know there are only 10 heads of communications in Formula One um, and you know so we all have great teams around us but I think that's probably what I'd 
Is there a group chat? <laughs> there is a group chat. <laughs> ah, <laughs> pretty, much, down. pretty much all business. There's yeah. times where I write something and then I'm like, no, I'm going to no. do that. So you're not sending gifts or no, 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 no. no like. No, no, no. And yeah, if anybody's going to do it, it would be me. But I've, I've literally censored myself so many times because you see some questions being asked. And you're like, why are you asking that question? And I've always got to reply. I'm like, no, I better. I don't think this is. The, the communication is, in the communication is chat key. is yeah. very good. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, was, uh, I was setting up a call with a head of comms at f1 the other day and it was just one of those it got to 11 o'clock which was our agreed time yeah. and then it got to two minutes past yeah then i'm texting him saying are you calling me or am i calling <laughs> you and that's kind of how it is with communications people. Like, so we just do it for everybody else but then when it comes to doing it for ourselves we're not yeah. always the greatest You're like where it. is this a google link where, where yeah where do i find this <laughs> yeah, yeah. well and there's so many different formats you can I use know. these days as well it's just and we have to try and spell it out yeah Yep. But on the other side now, you've worked with amazing drivers, David Coulthard, Romain uh, Grosjean, and who else? James, uh, James, James Hinchcliffe. James Hinchcliffe, yeah. Dario uh, Franchitti, yep. Nish, you know, Robert Wickens, yep. uh, Kevin Magnussen, then, obviously. Yeah. You know, yeah. And Hulkenberg now. And, Hulkenberg and who was the most fun out of all of them? Uh, and James, who gave you the most headache? Uh, okay, so two questions. Yeah, uh, yeah. James Hinchcliffe, the most fun. <laughs> nice. Uh, I got to work with James since he was a teenager and worked with him all the way up into IndyCar. So that, again, from a professional perspective, was very satisfying just mm -hmm. to be able to... I mean, he's got such personality and charisma. Yeah. Anyway, I think you guys yeah. met him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that, that speaks for itself. So I was just kind of pointing him in the direction and, and trying to raise his media profile. I didn't have to do any work with him in terms yeah. of you need to, you know, come out of your shell a little bit. He was yeah. already there with a, a strong personality. So he was a lot of fun. And then obviously going up to IndyCar with him and seeing what he was able to accomplish there was very, uh, I, I was just happy for him. He comes from a really great family, so yeah. that was cool. Uh, the most headaches, um, probably Roman uh, in his day because, you know, Roman could be quite a challenge sometimes. You know, when everything's going great, it's all great. And when yeah. things aren't going great, that's when, you know, our job is probably at its most challenging because you're basically asking people to do things that they don't want to do. Mm. Right. You know, and if they've had a really bad qualifying, you're then having to take them into the bullpen and they have to go talk about it. So that can be challenging. But, you know, when you work with enough athletes, you understand their traits and, you know, when's good and when's not good or how, you know, somebody like Roman would just sometimes need a couple of minutes just to kind of process everything. And then he would go in and usually he'd be, be fine. But mm -hmm. it's just there's other times where you're just like, this is not going to be yeah. fun at all. Yeah. And are you giving them like talking points and yeah. really like kind of coaching or are yeah, they not not in terms of straight after qualifying other race you know they yeah. kind of know how they've done yeah. um it might well be that you brief them on a couple of little things just so you think that the engineers might not have told them but usually not in that situation obviously before we do our press commitments on a thursday you'll be briefing them on you know the the communications guidelines that maybe formula one have given us mm -hmm. anything else that we have going on in the team situation you know with partners you know you give them a, a bit of a briefing but there's a bit of a stigma out there that you know in modern formula one there's pr people controlling drivers and i yeah. actually don't see a lot of it mm -hmm. you know there, there's times where you have to brief them and say you know don't say certain things but it's not we've always been and i guess it stems from gunther's management style down it's you're allowed to speak your mind we don't hold people back obviously you have to be respectful in situations yeah. you have to be mindful of, of certain parameters subject to what the the topic is but yeah. i don't think there's a, a massive amount of control in terms of that's you know good. these pr people you know people are always say well we're in the background but well yeah we're in the background because that's our job to then kind of monitor things and then take them away but uh you know people often ask me you know why are you guys recording everything and from our perspective it's yes so we have a record of it but yeah. for the the bullpen after quality in the race we're lifting the driver quotes from there for a press release so there is a function to us being in there. Yeah. Oh. And in terms of even F1 introduced that new policy where during race weekends, drivers and personnel can't talk about politics, religion and stuff like that. What do you think about that? Is that something that needs to be removed or addressed? I don't think it's that they can't talk about it yeah. um, because that, that would be a very backwards move. Mm -hmm. I think, I think, you know, everybody, the, you know, these guys have a platform, yeah. yeah, you know, they should be allowed to use it. They're able to do it in other sports. I think it's just formula one, and some of the old management style was, mm, and yeah, now you know, start, yeah. you know the guys at FOM are, are much more open to it in that respect. I think as long as, as Gunther always says, as long as you do everything respectfully, yeah. then there shouldn't be an issue, and we should absolutely be encouraging it because they have a voice, and yeah. you know, in the same way that you know basketball players, football, mm -hmm. or whoever it is, why why shouldn't I think I don't think we can kind of cage them. Yeah. I think there's maybe that 
thought process because in Formula One you are literally a walking billboard. Mm. You know, you've got a lot of brand names <laughs> yes. on it, and that's paying the wages. It's paying the wages of the team. Mm. But I think I think we're living definitely in a much more enlightened time with a lot of work to do. But I think a lot of partners are are looking for drivers who have a bit of a voice and yeah. with a social platform. Um, they, they know they've got an audience yeah. that they can reach out to people and that's the greatest thing in that respect that you can kind of circumnavigate people if you want because you can just put your own content, content in there. speaking of the evolution of f1 like where do you see the future of uh, formula one uh i think it's only going to get bigger uh how how long that growth curve is going to go on for i don't know i mean mm -hmm. obviously it's really hitting its stride in america now mm -hmm. uh, we got the vegas race coming up later this year i, I think we have to be careful that it, we don't oversaturate the market i'm personally a believer that 20 races 22 races is Enough. an absolute maximum we're going to go up to 24 for definite next year mm. i think you run that risk of becoming a bit like nascar or baseball where you can tune in out you can miss yeah. three four races and yeah. especially in a year of dominance if one guy or one mm. team is particularly doing well you can tune out for a few races and then come back to it the diehard fans will always watch it but yeah. mm. uh, that that would be my only concern is just how do you kind of keep it contained that you don't ultimately have people getting bored of it. Yeah. And yeah. then I did hear, I think I saw an article, it might've been the Guardian or the Daily Mail, but they were talking about like the Americanization of Formula One, right? And like they were even talking about the Miami Grand Prix where they had people come out and, you know, it felt like a football game, really, yeah. Yeah. the walkouts and everything. And it kind of, the article really talked about how this is not Formula One, this is not the tradition. Like what about people like that who might be, you know, thinking more in like the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, they're stuck in thinking about Formula One in that way. Do they need to change their views or yes. is that something that, you know, 100%, <laughs> yeah. Th things move on. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's different yeah. ways and there's different markets want to see things presented a different mm. way. So if that works for the American marketplace, mm. you know, if you don't want to watch, you know, what you might think is a cringy five minute driver introduction, don't watch it. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't be looking for something to go hating on. Yeah. yeah. Just, if you know it's coming up, don't watch it and then start Just watching the and race. I mean, it's... Yeah. More recently, you have such a younger audience mm. watching it, like the Gen Zs, the millennial, mil millennials, millennials. millennials. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> um, they're also they have such a high purchasing power. They are the one, and women. There yeah. are so yeah. many women watching. So, um, when you're thinking about like the different groups of people that are now watching, I, uh, my opinion, I think that we should not Americanize it, but continue Cater. to do these like newer, more fresh, inclusive, too. inclusive, yeah. Yeah. like yeah. ideas. I, I love, I, I love it. In my well, you opinion. know, you had a lot of people that were against Netflix at the start. They were like, no, this is going to be too intrusive. Yeah. And you know, look what it's done for the sport. Huge. Yeah. You know, it's not single handedly responsible for everything that's happened in America, mm -hmm. but it's a massive contributing factor to yeah. it. And it's brought in a, a swathe of people who've never ordinarily watched Formula One. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good thing. You know, it's then how do you kind of maintain that interest? Yeah. How do you evolve it? And they've got some really good people at Formula One at the moment. And, you know, they are looking ahead. Obviously, they're looking at new projects. Obviously, yeah. there's the TV show that's Children. been announced. Yep. There's a Brad Pitt movie coming out. So there, yeah. there's different ways of just getting it to more people. And I think with Liberty's ownership, they're a lot more attuned to how it's going to work and then how, you know, it's not just what we're we doing now, what are we doing in two mm. years, four years? So yeah. we might not know what they've actually got planned right yeah. now. And that's yeah. a good thing. You know, why should they tell? everybody everything but yeah. there's some clever people there and, and they will do what they can to kind of maintain the sport and maintain the interest and you know we're reaching a much more diverse audience these days and yes, yes. there absolutely needs to be more done at, at the junior level and it will take a long time for a lot of stuff to, but the work is being done yeah. and which is a positive and are we behind 100 yeah. percent? but yeah. it is being done now it's yeah. being talked about um the right people are involved in it so i think mm. i think for the longevity of it but it's also one of these things you're either into it or you're not yeah yeah right. you know i mean i've my children only know me as being somebody who's involved in racing <laughs> yeah they couldn't give a crap yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not something they're particularly interested yeah. in yeah. yeah you know my daughter just started watching drive to survive with me a couple of weeks ago she was like oh, i'll watch a couple of episodes with your dad and you know she's just kind of looking out for me and uh but then you know she starts asking a whole bunch of questions yeah. so i can see the impact that it can have but yeah you're either into it or you're, you're not yeah. we've also heard a rumor that the you know they're the mics and the the, you, the crew kind of like are like chameleons you don't really see them yeah. or hear them you have to be careful does it add more work to you or uh, add a head is it like a headache they're, they're very visible because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're just everywhere cameras and a boom Everybody mic yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it, it doesn't add we're we're just going about our work that's mm. that's the thing so it doesn't really add any or mm -hmm. work to yeah. us. I mean, yeah, I, I get involved in some of the planning of things and yeah. just make sure that the team are aware, you know, if it's the race weekend where they're going to be embedded with us and make sure that, you know, chief mechanic knows, chief yep. engineer, mm -hmm. everybody, and give them a heads up that they might be asked to wear a microphone. Yeah. I almost said, why are there a microphone? <laughs> uh, it feels like a wire sometimes. you got to, uh, sometimes <laughs> when I'm mic'd yeah. up, I'm like, I'm wearing a 
Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it could pick up that sound. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, can, they can. So yeah, you have to be careful with that stuff. But yeah. it's a case of it's not really. I know some teams are like, oh, it's an in, it's a hassle. But you know, we have to look at what it's given to the sport. Mm. And and we as a team, we were definitely uh, embraced by the Netflix people early on, yeah. and we embraced yeah. them because we were a new team. We didn't have yep. 15, 20 years of tradition of saying no to things. We were very mm. open because we're like this could actually be good for us. Mm-hmm. And the fact that. Mercedes and Ferrari weren't in that first season mm. definitely enabled us to get a little bit more of that kind of audience yeah. share. Yeah. Um, and then when they did come into it in season two, it's because they realized how it had taken off mm. and they missed a, tr- a trick, unfortunately. I would yeah. also envision that it's much more like exposure for your sponsors and the brands that Huge. you're working with. Yeah, it, it's kind of, you know, you, you can't guarantee them that they're going to get it because yeah. ultimately it's not Netflix's job to show no. the sponsors, know, title yeah. sponsors and all mm-hmm. the rest of it. And that side of the sport isn't overly sexy in terms of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, there's definitely by default, they, they get exposure. And so that's a benefit. And we have a lot of commercial uh, entities that approach us because, you know, the success of the series and mm-hmm. they see how Gunther... Uh, the, the the exposure that he gets and, yeah. and that he's brings the star. people. Yeah, he he's Fevin's favorite character. He's my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I will never say he's the star. <laughs> he is. He is definitely We're one of the key protagonists. Yeah. 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 Then flipping gears, I mean, I want to talk also about maybe times where things aren't the best in the job, right? So I think kind of earlier in the year, near the start of the season, there was this alleged rumor around this like Russian collusion with a Haas F1 team. I mean, how do you wake up to days like that? Like what was the atmosphere in the boardroom when you go and and meet the other team members about that? Uh, Well, I mean, ultimately Gunther and I talk daily on things anyway. So we're pretty much Mm -hmm. attuned to each other in terms of how we would deal with a situation. And, you know, the situation you're referring to was just, you know, it was inaccurate reporting of the highest level. Uh, And so, but again, we have to just take our time, make sure that we get our ducks in a row. And then when you're ready to present your information, you present it. Mm. So there's a lot of media that would sometimes rather be first and inaccurate with a story Mm. than second and accurate. Right. And so the, the trick in communications, certainly in my job, is just to make sure that you don't have a knee-jerk reaction to something and blurt something out or do something that you haven't thought. Of. So I will always, and I mean, that's ultimately one of the lessons I've learned in my career is just you present information when you are ready, mm, not right. when journalists want it because everybody wants everything yesterday. Yeah. And so just get your facts together and then you present it. And then more often than not, when you present it, the situation will go away because mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of frenzy around different situations but when you present people with the facts that's there's nowhere else to go with it and then how do you know what stories to respond to and which ones not to respond to Uh, it's usually pretty obvious you know if you see a gathering storm you kind of know right you're either going to get ahead of it and put out a statement uh, or you just know that you know you can address things say with Gunther's press session on a Thursday at track so mm. if something subject to what it is if it was to break on a Monday and a Tuesday mm. I know I can cover that off on a wedding on a Thursday at track yeah. so I don't have to do it other times you may be like right we need to get a statement out so it really just depends the good thing is we have plenty of experience of it yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> that's good <laughs> yeah. At, and how do you guys handle sensitive information whether it's you guys just signed a driver and you know there's announcement period how does leaks work in your world? Uh, I think, there's, a, in my mind, there's always an inevitability that something's going to get out because yeah. in this day and age, nobody can keep a secret. So, I'll sometimes sure. have, uh, on my media WhatsApp chat, somebody, yeah. or somebody will maybe text me and say, hey, you know, can you comment on this rumor? And I always write back to them saying, have no. you ever heard me comment on a rumor? Mm. Uh, They're like, no. I'm like, well, there you go. <laughs> I said, if you want to ask your question a different way, Maybe. Ask me it a different way, but don't ask me if I'm going to comment on a rumor. Um, but it's, uh, you just, there's obviously a, a trust process yeah. you have to trust. But in this day and age, I think everything pretty much gets out. And yeah. so you just have to kind of stay quiet on it or not comment on it until you yep. present all Very the information. Exciting. Sometimes people only have half the story. They don't necessarily have the whole story. Um, and, and that's fine. But you just, you can't stress about it in this day and age because there's so many different forms of communication. And inevitably, signing a driver or a title sponsor, there's so many people involved in that process. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you might have to have a meeting and somebody sees you having the meeting. It's just, you just have to kind of go with it. So yeah. you kind of know. And I'm very fortunate with uh, with our team that, you know, Gunther and I say we, we speak a lot. And so we're, he's very good at keeping me up to date on situations. So there's not much. I don't know of this happening, but even then, there's times where something does come out. I'm like, "Is this true?" Yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he's like, "Oh yeah, did I not tell you about that?" I'm like, "No, you didn't." That, <laughs> like, scratch, that could have been useful to know. But incredible. Final few questions in Q1. How do you manage sponsor requests? I bet you know sponsors come in. They might have evolving requests over the course of a season. How do you manage their expectations? 
Uh, well, I'm a little less involved in that side because mm -hmm. we've got a marketing department now uh, at Haas that takes care of a lot of that stuff. But they'll obviously they'll have I set the driver's schedule uh, on race weekends, and you know if it is a partner request, I usually am the dr the guy that goes to the the driver manager to ask for the time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it just really depends. But we've been very fortunate that we've got you know some at the moment we've got a great roster of partners. They're all. Uh, you know, a lot of them are consumer facing, which yeah. is great for us to get the brand out there. You want to help these people activate. You know, they're in Formula One for a reason. They, yeah. they want the global exposure. They want the access to the glitz, the glamour, or the technical side. It could be the STEM side of things. You know, whatever it is, there's so many different facets of. You know, it's it's, it's almost not just about the car going around anymore. Yeah. It's about everything else. Yeah. That that's where the pressure is on teams and certainly marketing and, and communications departments. It's no longer, you know. Are we going to get press coverage out of this? Because with social media, you can mm -hmm. we're all our it's, own content houses yeah. now. And so a lot of them will come to us because of the audience that we have. Yeah. I think combined, you know, we're still small, but you know, for a small team we punch above our weight. I think we've got a combined audience across our platforms. Yeah. Four or five million, which you know is huge in this yeah, country. Yeah, and also um, some of the, the social posts that you they're, yeah, they're hilarious. They're they're hilarious. hilarious. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, no, we, we've got a good tone. You know, we've got some yeah. great creative people that, that that work for us, which is, yeah. is good. They understand the the flow of the team and that's why i'm not necessarily a big agency guy i like people to come in and actually work for the team because mm. then they understand the heartbeat and, and mm -hmm. they're yeah, the culture and the culture yeah. and all the rest of it so um but you know we're up against social media teams who have agencies on board or red bull have got you know five videographers and, <laughs> and you name it we don't have that but i think we we definitely punch above our weight which is good and, and partners like that and we also have a team principal who doesn't take himself too seriously and so we can have mm. a little bit of fun yeah. in some memes and all the rest of it and and he's pretty cool about that yeah. as well so but yeah the commercial side you know, you only get out of it what you put into it. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're very fortunate that at the moment we've got a great roster of, of, of partners that are in it to actually activate. Um, you know, and it might not be in terms of advertising campaigns or consumer things. It could just be bringing hospitality, you know, people to hospitality. Uh, it could be bringing people to the factory, whatever it is. So it's, uh, no, we're, yeah. we're always, you know, it's fun. Sometimes on a race weekend, you're like, Ugh, and drivers, you know, Miami for us was our busiest ever Grand Prix in mm -hmm. seven seasons. The Miami schedule, there was literally something happening every night. There was things yes. happening in the morning. Um, but the drivers understand they're they're fortunate that, that you know for I'd imagine you know, Mercedes Red Bull that could be a normal weekend. Yeah. For us, it was a bit more of an abnormal weekend, mm. but that's what these guys are paid to do, and they have to go and smile and do the right things. Yeah. But they, they get it, which is the important thing. And what what was the most outlandish request that you guys received from a sponsor? <laughs> Question. Uh, you don't have to name the company, but. Yeah, the I, can't, I can't think of anything that's been really outlandish. We've had some pitches presented to us yeah. that you know, we all look at, we look across the desk <laughs> and we're just like, they really want to do this? For real? Yeah. We also know how the drivers are going to react to situations. Um, but yeah. then that's our job to guide these people and say, mm. this actually isn't going to be the thing that's going to get the best out of the drivers. Yeah. It's, you know, it's going to be X, Y, and Z. You know, and it's the same with media, you know, when they come to us and maybe the request and sometimes just like, actually, this could be like Kevin and Roman were a good example. When they actually realized that they liked each other and didn't have to kind of keep fighting on track. Yeah. When we put them together for media events, they were really quite comedic with each other mm -hmm. and, and they had a good kind of bromance going on. And, and that's better value. If people see that the guys are actually having fun yeah. and not feeling forced to be there, mm -hmm. it's much more organic and more authentic. And I think that's the, the hardest thing to achieve in this day and age is something with authenticity because... Right. Yeah, people are paying a lot of money to be involved, and so there's a degree that they expect people to do things. But if people can actually come across, and that's why people like Danny Rick and all the rest are just so, you know, you know he must have his bad days, but, yeah. you know, when he's on, he's really on. Genuine. Yeah, you know, we're very fortunate. I mean, Nico at the moment is fantastic. You put the camera on him, and yeah. he gets it straight away, yeah. and, and that's really cool. And Roman was very good at that as well. He could be having a really bad day, yeah. but then the minute he had to go do an engagement, he would just turn it on. And at the end of the day, that's all you're asking them to do but it's better if everyone's happy and, and, and up for it enjoying it yeah so, so no crazy tiktok <laughs> no. dances or... <laughs> no i don't i don't think so i mean i can't like so there's, a, there's nothing that immediately springs to mind but yeah. i'm sure it will come you know yeah. the more partners that we have the more that will happen i mean yeah. i don't know if you saw in miami but you know palm angels are one of our sponsors and so they they let the drivers come into one of the stores and i think nico raided that place because <laughs> every, every day he came into the track he had a different palm angels outfit oh on God. but again that's great it wasn't Nico, you must put this on. Yep. He was just like, I love this stuff. Yeah. And so it looked very natural, him coming to the yep. wearing it. And that's we actually, nice. you know, we have to get, go into hospitality and say, right, guys, you need to take this stuff off now because you need to wear <laughs> the T-shirt that's got the rest <laughs> of the team partners on board. But again, it's vindication that if it's the right fit, yeah. people are engaged that's with it. Fun. So And that's authentic and that's important. Love it. Well, that is Q1. Henny, rating? Sucker. Green. 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 All yeah. right, green. Well, made it to, green. to Q2. Okay, good. We'll see if we Doesn't get by that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God>. oh, wow. <laughs> With me, I mean. Oh, okay, <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> Sorry, I had 2021 <laughs> flashbacks. <laughs> you are hearing Stuart Morrison. We'll be back with Q2.
Hey everyone, that's right. I'm talking to you two ladies. I'm excited to tell you that this podcast is sponsored by Manscaped. By we, I mean my husband, Michael. And as his partner, I do notice these things. Would you say you've noticed a difference since you've used Manscaped? It's been smooth sailing, to say the least. <laughs> I would say Um, Manscaped is trusted by more than 9 million men worldwide for their trimmers, hygiene and shower formulations and premium boxers. The product I want to talk to you today is the new Handyman. It's a compact face shaver and it's an incredible grooming tool that delivers a quick close shave. And because we believe in Manscaped so much, we've worked out a special deal for all of you. Whether you're buying for yourself, your partner, boyfriend, brother, friend, whomever, go to manscaped.com and use the code TLIMITS20 at checkout to get 20% off and free shipping. That is TLIMITS20. Welcome back to the Track Limits Podcast. We are with Stuart Morrison, who has made it through to Q2. Feeling great? Yep. Yeah. I think we might get to Q3. I'm feeling good. Ah, yeah. knock on wood, knock on wood, knock on wood. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take you back, though. Before F1, before everything, you know, growing up as a kid, was motorsport a passion of yours? Was this always something you wanted to do growing up? Uh, no, it was. I was exposed to F1 races just because we'd watch some of them on a, on a Sunday. That, mm. that was all. So, I mean, that was going back a long time, but, you know, mainly in the 80s, watching people like Senna, Prost, Mansell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always kind of backed the British guys. So, but I never, school, I was never mad about it. I never had pictures on the wall of Formula One cars or anything like that. And it was more just when I was at university, I was kind of thinking, well, what am I going to do? I did a Bachelor of Arts in Film and Media Studies, but I didn't, I didn't know what I was going to do with that. <laughs> um, and then it was really just in my final year, I was kind of like, yeah, I'm getting more into this Formula One stuff. And, you know, David Coulthard was racing yeah. at the time, mm-hmm. so naturally followed followed a fellow Scott, uh, who's somebody I know now and, and count as a, a really good guy so that's kind of funny how life yeah. takes you uh and then then I, I did the classic thing i was like well i'll write off to some formula one teams and of course they all wrote back so the, the ones that did write back wrote back saying you need to get experience it's a real chicken and egg how do you get the experience without somebody giving, giving you, you the opportunity um but then i was just very fortunate that a couple of months after i graduated jonathan palmer mm-hmm. uh, the ex-formula one driver was setting up a new series in the uk i wrote to him you know and just said listen i've just graduated but you know, i'm keen to do something and he literally wrote back and said you can be my press officer Wow, and that was it. I went, I, I went down for a meeting with them, and I moved down to England about three weeks later, and that was it. Been in motorsport ever since. Incredible! Wow. And like, was there anything? Sorry about that. Was there anything that kind of made you very inclined towards Formula One in particular, as opposed to like maybe now going back to like IndyCar or going to like another racing series? Uh, I wasn't driven to get to Formula One mm-hmm. in, in that respect. Uh, you know, I'm also you know it's the pinnacle of the sport, so there's many things that you know you have better opportunities better pay all the rest of it and you know there's an element of prestige if you can say that you work for a formula one team you know people think it's cool they don't see all the hard work that goes on behind the scenes but it's a case of uh, you know you just know it's the the pinnacle of motorsport and you know i was first properly exposed to it because justin wilson won the palmer audi championship that year in 98 and then obviously he got into formula one in 2003 and i was asked to do the press for he had a special investment scheme set up to raise the money that we get him the minority drive so i did all the pr for that yeah. uh, and then i did his pr when he raced for minority in jaguar in 2003 so that was my first exposure to kind of actively working with a driver in formula one so since then i've always kind of known people and been involved and then i worked for tw steel the watch company and they sponsored a couple of teams um so the only thing that was kind of missing from my resume not that i was going after it yeah. was the opportunity to work for a team and because I was living in Canada at the time when Haas was created, I thought, well, that could be a job opportunity to move down to the States. Uh, and then when I went and saw Gunther, they were like, no, we're going to base the PR team over in England. I'm like, <laughs> oh, oh, okay, okay. then. <laughs> so I uh, went back home and said, guess what? We're going to be moving. Uh, and, and that was it. So, yeah. But now Gunther lives in North Carolina? Yeah, he's oh, lived okay. in North Carolina so like, for 17 years. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. What advice would you give to anyone that's thinking about a path or a, a career in communications? Uh, motorsport communications motorsport, or, uh, so yeah. motorsport yeah because I mean the thing is that I'm I'm a PR guy by default I kind of fell yeah. into it I wasn't I wasn't in love with it I think I do okay with it but I have no desire to go work for a healthcare mm. you know, firm or a financial yeah. institution I'm not no. I, I wouldn't be able to do that um, and it wouldn't interest me but I think like I did you just you have to seek out opportunities um, you know, I, I saw that Jonathan was setting up that series. I read about it in Autosport and I wrote to him. I didn't wait till I saw a job because I didn't know what press officer did. Yeah. I had no exposure to it. Um, but you just knock on doors and, and just make things happen for yourself. Don't wait for the phone to ring because it's not going to happen. So again, you know, the example I used when Hass was set up, I, I 
I was doing PR for James Hinchcliffe at the time, and I knew uh, he was backed by GoDaddy. GoDaddy had a relationship with Stuart Haas Racing. Stuart yeah. Haas Racing, obviously, the sister yep. team for, for, for Gene's F1 team. So I joined the dots and got in front of Gunther mm-hmm. uh, by working my connections and said, you know, I'm interested. This is the experience I have. I've worked on both sides of the Atlantic. You know, I've dabbled in Formula One before, and I know the North American marketplace. And, you know, the dialogue started from there. I did not wait until they were going to advertise for PR yeah. people to join the team. So I was already ahead of the queue. Yeah. Um, so that that's the advice I would give is just keep seeking out those opportunities. Don't great, you know, apply for jobs and, and but try and get the experience somehow. Go, you know, if you you know find a driver and offer to do a social media. I mean, the the landscape's very much changed. When I was working with younger drivers, it was to build a profile, and that's when there was more of a a hardcore media contingency of local media, regional media, national, all the rest of it. Now, with social media, if you're remotely switched on, you can put your own personality yep. out there you know some some the, the the involvement of pr people is less so as maybe just more about credibility or, or whatever or just you know help with commercial things things like that but um you know if you're smart enough now you could like i couldn't go back and do what i used to do because i'm not social media savvy enough to guide somebody in that respect yeah i'm not that interested in doing it either <laughs> linkedin but, yeah. Uh, yeah exactly <laughs> facebook I'm yeah, really yeah. Cool. Oh. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, hey, I'm kidding. don't need <laughs> yourself oh no oh no friends reunited you know <laughs> So, <laughs> yep. And um, on the flip side, was there a moment where you said, I failed, I'm about to lose my job? And how did you even bounce back from that? Uh, I can also say no. Nice. Uh, you, you have times where, you know, I might have, you know, maybe a driver, like, oh, you should have told me that. And you're kind of like, yeah, you're right. I maybe should have. So it's just, you're constantly learning yeah. in that respect. So I'm constantly trying to get better. You don't, it, it can be very easy, especially because the nature of Formula One with so many races is wash, rinse, repeat. Mm-hmm. You know, race weekend is a race weekend. Um, but it's the case of, I, I can't think of anything where I've really messed up in that respect. Mm. It's more just times where I've kicked myself that I should have been better or been yeah. a little bit more switched on in terms of briefing somebody. But again, you, you make a lot of assumptions. I had a situation with Kevin last year, a couple of years ago, where he thought he had a penalty for one thing, but it was for a different thing. And I just assumed after the race that his engineers or even would during the race would have told him what that penalty was for. Mm. And then when he was doing the pen, he was talking about it. I'm like, He's talking about the wrong thing here. So oh, when no. we went to do the next one, I was like, you know, you got the penalty for yeah. X, Y, and Z. He was like, no, I thought it was, I was like, no. So it's just right. You yeah. know, so it's just any, so it just makes you remind you to stay a little bit more switched mm. on and never assume that the engineers have maybe told him something. Yeah. Um, but no, there's not been a major failing yet. Mm. Not, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yet. And throughout your career or even just now have there been any like roadblocks or challenges we always in this podcast we talk about resiliency and then come back story have there Mm. been any situations like that where you've had to overcome uh not really i think the closest thing i could probably relate it to is just the 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 most intense part of of my job that i've ever had and that was when roman had his crash in bahrain because then we were obviously scheduled to announce mick and nikita that week and Roman then had his accident. So there was the immediacy of dealing with the accident. Mm-hmm. And then the next day it was sorting out, it, obviously we, Gunther and I had gone to see him in the hospital. We knew he was obviously fine. Uh, we got to the track and then we got Pietro in. So we were gonna announce Pietro as the reserve, uh, you know, stepping Very up and, and replacing Roman. And then at the same time, we had to kind of push back the announcements about Mick and Nikita who were in Bahrain because obviously F2 was racing at the time there as well. So we had to deal with all of that. At the same time, giving the updates on Roman's progress, mm. and then obviously Roman came to the track on the Friday, is the, and we did our first public media dealings with that. So again, it was just there was many, many spinning plates, and and you know we worked some long hours that week just to make sure that the communications was. And there's so many other people that you have to let know as well, driver yeah. managers, yeah. Mm. and at the same time being sensitive to Roman's situation. Yeah, of I mean, the you know the guy had gone through a life changing incident, um, thankfully relatively unscathed. Uh, so I, I was properly burnt out by the end of that week no it, it, it was it was just <laughs> exhausting and um yeah i'm sure i've probably got some ptsd from it in some respect but it was just because you care and you mm. want to make sure yes, that the job's done right and you know you you've got to keep team people updated sponsored there's so many different plates and you know we were getting media coming out of the woodwork you know like good morning america so yeah. people that wouldn't ordinarily touch formula one because this made headlines around the world yeah uh, and it's just the, there's that pressure to try and do the right thing and making sure that the right people get the story. I mean, I had some journalists come to me who are Formula One regulars but have never written a story about Haas, and all of a sudden, guess what? And it's like, well, no, I'm going to put things towards the people that actually cover fair. us on a regular basis. I think that's only yeah, fair, fair and just. Yep. Um, but I think the best thing that we did that week was just let Roman tell the story. So we did the, you know, obviously it was still in the COVID time, so we had a Zoom call on the Friday, and we must have had about 60 to 80 journalists on the Zoom call, and I just said to Roman, 
we're going to start this off. I just want you to tell everybody what happened rather than going straight into Q&A because mm. when I'd been at the hospital with Gunther on the Monday and Roman gave his account, it was so unbelievable and just so you know moving in that respect as well. Everything he thought he was going through yeah. and obviously he then talked about it on the Netflix series, so I don't need to repeat that. But that's what I had Roman do to start the press conference and, and it couldn't have actually gone any better because there was this silence and you know many mm -hmm. people text me afterwards say that was actually unlike anything else we've done before. So it was about, you know, and it's not a yay, me patting the back, but it was just being smart enough to know when to let him speak right. and when to then have, and the fact that he, and I think he spoke to begin with for 10 minutes before we actually then opened up into questions. Wow. But just so there was no misunderstanding, you know, or no, ultimately no repetition of the same question. Sure, trying, yeah. trying to find the same thing. So, uh, but yeah, that, that week was a very, very intense week. But again, you look back on it now and you realize that's actually quite satisfying. And the thing I will say about the accident when it happened that, you know, I was reached out to by a lot of the other PRs from other teams and said, listen, if we can help you with anything, you know, we know that's this amazing. must be a crazy time. And, you know, I've got a lot of good friends at, at other teams and the fact that the community kind of comes together mm -hmm. uh, and we've seen that in other times and, and other situations where drivers have been, you know, injured uh, and whatnot. And, and that's me. Uh, the thing I love most about my job in motorsport is the community. It's the, the people that are there. I've got some great friends for life, drivers, media, you know, team personnel. That that for me is what it's about. It's about building those relationships. And working with the media, if you build the successful relationships, it can make your job easier because you're not always going to keep everybody happy, but you're always going to have that kind of bedrock group that you know yeah. you can trust with information mm. or if you need to back channel some information just yep. to get something out there that you can't say on the record, mm -hmm. but you can Sweep it slip in, on yeah. the side and then it becomes yeah. something. Yep. That, that's obviously good as well. So, oh. but, I mean, when you're kind of... Uh, stripped away from your family and the things that kind of give you comfort it's really nice to know that you have a community that yeah. that really it's like a support system yeah. a little, yeah. you know, no i was genuinely <laughs> i was genuinely touched by it because these people don't have to do that and there's yeah. so there's so much competition to you know outdo the other guy yeah. um but i mean i worked quite a bit in indycar obviously with james and and yeah. that's very much a community and there's more a more community of drivers there i think as well formula one less so on the mm. yeah. the driver front um, but it was a case of just to see that and to have people. And so I'm very mindful now that when I see a situation happening, you know, I, I will say, is there anything I can do to help? And more often than not, you don't want the help. You, you want to know that you can do it yourself, but yeah. just to know that, and sometimes it's just being able to talk to, to, yeah. to people. I mean, you know, we're in this enlightened time where we all talk about mental health and just to be able yeah. to have somebody, because yeah. in Formula One, you only see what you see. Mm -hmm. So the mechanics only see us maybe kind of coming in and, you know, taking a picture and posting on, so, and you know, they think, right. oh, easy job, but they don't see everything else in the same way that we don't see all the hard work that yeah. they're necessarily putting in. Mm. Uh, so sometimes you can only talk to somebody who understands your role yeah. and that yeah. other person is another comms person at another team. Yeah. Um, you know, the Mercedes challenge is different from the Haas challenge, but ultimately the environment that we work in is similar and the yeah. skills are all transferable. And then when it comes to like keeping a level head and, and kind of staying positive, I mean, I think with Haas in particular, you guys have obviously had tough times, but you've also had really good times, right? Like Kevin's poll last year, even back to 2016, like the first few races in 2016, I think Roman took like P5 or P6 in Australia. And like, it looks like on an up and up, yeah. like during moments though, where things are really tough, where the team might be going through a bit of a drought, how does the team stay positive? How do you stay positive to be super excited to go to work and, and feel like you are kind of in a winning mindset? Yeah, it's, it's a very good question, a very relevant question. I think a lot of it, as far as the, the team morale, is communication. Hmm. It's people like Gunther being able to advise on what's happening with, you know, either next year's car or whatever. You know, for, for example, 21, we knew the car was going to be nowhere because there had no investment in it. But we very clearly communicated, uh, even at the end of 2020, we're not going to invest in the 21 car. Mm. I mean, with the regulations and all that was going on, uh, it was a case of, and with the COVID situation, it was simply a case of it's not worth investing in this car to try and gain a tenth of a second, which means yeah. we're a P16 instead mm. of P17. So we got that message out that yeah, it's going to be a struggle. It's not going to be pretty. And we have two rookie drivers. It was what it was. But then in 2022, you know, we hit the ground with the BF22 and Kevin scores fifth place in, yep. in Bahrain. Yeah. Uh, and then subsequently we scored more points in the team. So we had a much, we bounced back from being, that was the only time we finished last in the championship. I don't think as an organization we get enough credit for the fact that we're now in our eighth season, but mm -hmm. we've only actually finished last in the championship one Once. year. Yeah. And it was the year that we, hand in the air, said, we are not going to do any investment into mm -hmm. this car or into this package. And, you know, we came back with a, a stronger package, which mm -hmm. was good, and we scored points. So it's a case of just making sure that people are aware of what's happening in the team and the, the direction it's going is a huge thing. From my own personal perspective, it's just simply a case of, you know, I enjoy what I do. And, yeah, like everybody, you have good days and bad days. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have days where, you know, you're stuck in traffic or you find yourself yeah. at another airport mm -hmm. and you're like, why am I doing this? <laughs> but, 
you know, you get those moments where you're just like, yeah, you know, this is really, you know, it's a privilege to be able to do this. So, you know, for everybody who's got that job, there's a thousand people that want that job. They have a perception of what it's like. Mm. You know, we sometimes joke that everybody wants to work in Formula yeah. One yeah. until they work in Formula <laughs> One. But, you know, in this day and age of social media, you know, everyone's posting it. But, you know, people are posting the best bits. They're not yeah. posting. Correct. The real world. the worst bits. You yeah. at three AM with a cup of coffee. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And that's fine. That's yeah. fine. But uh, you know, I'm very conscious of trying not to do that. But yeah. it's but it's cool. So you should be excited about yeah. it. It is cool. Yeah. You know. But then I look at people. You know, in the NFL or rugby, that I'm like, that's cool to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've been very fortunate. I've made some relationships in it in, in both sports. And to me, that's how I'm. And so you know, we're all talking about yep. things. So it just it's whatever floats your boat. But yeah. um, don't get me wrong though. It's much more fun when you're doing well. Yeah, if you're going into races knowing you're going to score points and all the rest of it, and uh, you know when Kevin had the pole position in in Brazil uh, last year, that was and, and for Epic. me the amazing bit was and again just talking about community, you know we were walking down the pit lane and people were coming out from other garages and clapping and cheering yeah. and all the rest Aww. of it, and obviously the guys at Renault and McLaren who he'd raced for before, you know there was genuine warmth and affection for Kevin uh, and his achievement and and that for me was just like and when we were waiting to do the interviews you know Max came up to me and George they were just like oh it was like never see you here like, this is all this is all new to me you know for these guys it's bread and butter but uh you know that that's what I find funny so there's always that there's always the hope in the end of the day you know mm-hmm. we're all racers we do it because we love it and Gunther's competitive Gene's competitive you know we know where we're at in the grand scheme of things and you know it's definitely there's more hope going forward in terms of the cost cap era mm-hmm. yeah. you look at what Aston Martin have yeah come from and where they're at now they're a customer car sometimes beating a mercedes car so you know there has to be that hope and it yeah. would be better for the sport if there's more competition oh, 100%. but uh you know you live in you live in hope yeah and, and last question here yeah. working with gunther and just the Haas team what was the most memorable moment you have had whether it's funny or even embarrassing what was it uh, i mean i'm sure there's probably been lots of embarrassing or at least times <laughs> where i'm just like i can't believe we're actually doing this uh, there's times when I have to stop Gunther because yeah. Gunther is so good and so embracing of everything that it's, you know, like Vegas and Bahrain this year uh, in preseason testing, Vegas had a setup where they wanted to get a lot of content yeah. shot. And we walk into the room yeah. and you know, they've got I the elbow suit the and jacket. they say to Gunther, yeah, we want you to put the elbow yeah. suit on. I'm like, and he's just, he's going to put it on. And I'm like, <laughs> no. I don't think I want you in an elbow suit. Yeah. And you feel a bit like the fun police, but yeah. I'm like, we have to draw the, but he's so willing and engaged. He doesn't, because yeah. he doesn't care what people think, think of him in that respect. Clearly. Um, you know, generally he doesn't, get enough credit for what he's done in terms of it was his idea to, to have mm-hmm. the team and obviously he got the funding from gene gene invested into it um but you know gene, gunther's dna is kind of throughout this team and you know to the point that you know, we have only finished once last mm-hmm. um yeah the fact that you know we've grown as an entity mm-hmm. and you know we are competitive you know we're one of the 10 solid teams in the sport yeah. now um but yeah i can't think of anything off the hand that's kind of particularly embarrassing um <laughs> but just with, with gunther you never know what you're going to get but you know, the highlights for me i honestly think bahrain last year trumped australia 2016 because that, mm. that was great that we scored points but the fact that we bounced back after such a horrible year and after the whole situation that we had in pre-season testing the, the russian situation and as sad as that is for yeah. obviously you know the people of ukraine and all the rest it, it meant we had to make decisions we had a shift and so for for me getting kevin back was huge because yeah. we always had a good relationship i kept in touch with him the year that he mm. wasn't with us so you know i remember sending him that text to my couch one night saying i hear a rumor <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like yep so and, and that that was fun because yeah. obviously you know when you get a driver that you know how he works and how he ticks it just mm. makes easier. your life easier anytime yeah. you have a new driver there's that element of kind of breaking them in them seeing how you work you seeing how they work and it, it takes a long time and it definitely takes in my mind a season to form that relationship um, and, and Kevin, from his first year with us in 2017 to his second year in 2018, was night and day because obviously he'd gone through the process of being dropped by McLaren, being dropped by Renault. And I think there was an element of trust there that he had to build up. And, and But his attitude and approach, not that it was bad in 2017, but you could just see he was more distanced with it. But then when you saw who he was in 2018, and we had a great season in 2018, mm-hmm. obviously finished fifth in the championship, you know, the confidence was there. So, yeah. Incredible. Perfect. Well, that is Q2. I'll give this Green, up to you. Purple, you gurple. Gurple. Oh, no. <laughs> Purple? purple okay all right no, no red flags no, no red, red flags, flags. Nothing. no 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 we, None. Don't, we don't give those out we'll give double yellows though yes but no red flags and no black and orange flags yeah no, no black, black and orange, orange. orange. Oh. very sensitive about yeah. that <laughs> well we're gonna hear from a story about q3 rapid fire coming up very soon Welcome back to the Track Limits podcast. We are now getting into Q3, the rapid fire round. Stuart, are you nervous? Very nervous. You're nervous. Ah, <laughs> love it. Twitchy a little bit there. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm white knuckling it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. First question. Let's keep the answers rapid, full of fire. If you have to choose one platform to post on forever, 
other than Facebook, which one <laughs> which one would it be? Instagram. Instagram. All right. Which platform would you delete? The rest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what regulation change would you institute in F1? Uh, points down to 14th place. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Which driver would you trust to drive you around the track blindfolded? Kevin Magnuson. Hey, okay. I'm about to show you a photo for audio listeners. This is you and Gunther. What's your favorite memory with Gunther? Uh, oof, favorite <laughs> memory? Well, I mean, I spend so much time with him. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just... Oh, I'm, not, I'm not rapid firing at all here, that, am I now? Okay. You got um, this. I think probably actually one of the, the funniest things was just when we filmed the Netflix thing last year with uh, him and Mattia in the, oh, in the no. little Fiat Cinquecento. I mean, seeing <laughs> these two team principals and both not small individuals yeah. fitting into <laughs> this <laughs> little car. And of course, it was riddled with cameras and all that. It was just the most bizarre sight yeah. you've ever seen. But the, the end result was what they predicted it would really be. Cute. And it was like really good content. So that was definitely one of the nice. takeaway memories. And we were in a gorgeous location as oh, well. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Greatest driver of all time, in your opinion? Yeah, very good question. Um, I'm, not, I'm not a huge one for the whole, oh, the greatest and all the rest. Of it. I mean, I'm obviously fiercely patriotic, so Jim Clark, nice. Jackie Stewart are definitely right up there because it was in an era where obviously the danger was real. Yeah. And mm. They didn't have to deal with all the stuff that you know, we have going on now. So I, I, I'll go with my Scots guys. Nice. Oh. But if, I won't split them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you had to work with any team principal other than Gunter, who would that be? Christian Horner. Christian Horner. Nice. Cool. Yeah. My favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Just because he's. Christian doesn't waste his words. Mm. Like he is all, when he opens his mouth, there's a reason why he's saying what he's saying. So he's, calculated. he's so good at being able to get things out there and, and mm. in cases wind other people up. Yep. Um, but you know, I know a lot of people that work with him and, and they say he's quite a good guy, but uh, he definitely fascinates me in that respect. <laughs> so very different from Gunther, but yeah. uh, I like the way he operates. Nice. If you had to choose another sport to work in, what sport would it be? Uh, NFL. Nice. What's your team, by the way? Yeah. Giants. Yeah. yeah. We all make mistakes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you the rings that yeah. the one since I've been a fan. <laughs> it's okay. I know nothing. Um, which track has the best environment? I mean, Montreal for sure. I'm mean, nice. somewhat biased, but it, it, it always has. You know, I mean, it, it's been the bedrock of Formula One in North America. Mm. Yes. You know, I mean, Coda now is, is truly amazing to go to because you've seen the growth even in the time that Haas has been around. Uh, but, but Montreal was always that rock as far as the North American place because it's an educated audience. They've had, obviously, mm -hmm. Gilles Villeneuve, Jacques Villeneuve, yeah. you name it. But, you know, people just get behind and the city gets behind it as yeah. well. So, yeah, and you see more and more people replicating that. But this is the modern era of Formula One that you need the sport of a city. And I mean, Vegas is going to be nuts this year. Oh, yeah. uh, and I think it's just the minute you can take the sport to the people and make it easier, yeah. it's, it's much better. So, Great. Uh, what's your best prediction for the rest of the 2023 season? Give me like one wild prediction that you think will come true. Gold. Another uh, poll? K-Mag poll? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, the car is fast and qualifying, yeah, yeah. so you get the right conditions again. And, Could happen. And, you know, I mean, some people are like, you, know, you were lucky in Brazil. No, we, we did the right well, job at the right time. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, Kevin's lap was faster than Max's, and it is what it is. You it would have also been a good point to finish if it wasn't for the, yeah. the incident. Yeah, yeah you, can't, you can't take it away from yeah. us in, in that respect. So, uh, wild prediction. I'm going to say that Alonso will win a race. It's maybe not that wild, but yeah. I, think, I think they will get one. Nice. Yeah. Um, which F1 driver or team has the best social media presence, in your opinion? Us, yes. yeah. I mean, I, I gotta, 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 I gotta go. say that. <laughs> yep, I agree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I like I said earlier. I, I think we punch above our weight, and you know, sometimes you're asking the drivers to do silly things like in preseason, you're doing all the gift capture and all the yeah. rest of it. Mm -hmm. But they sometimes they surprise you and they get really into, into it. Yeah. You wouldn't think that they're really into. It. And yeah. don't ask me for example because I haven't got anything off the top of my head. Yeah. But you're just kind of like, all right, this yeah. is okay. this is good. Yeah. Yeah. We can do it. Let's yeah. make this a regular yearly yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 We might have asked already, but what is the most over asked question you get? Mm. Uh, probably what's Gunther like yeah. <laughs> or, or is it true that he's never watched Drive to Survive and oh. it's true he's never watched Drive to Survive yeah. mm. wow. but he had, I mean would he not see it on social media and stuff no, no. he's not he's not on social media either wow no burner account no if you see any account that's linked to him it's not it's not official he has no oh, social wow. media presence whatsoever yeah. got it what piece of F1 memorabilia would you like to own or do you currently own that you're super amped about uh, I would love a Magnuson helmet, mm. and I am going to badger him yeah. at some stage to, to get one because he's yeah. the F1 driver I've worked the longest with. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so I'd really like something like that. You know, the, the driver helmet is uh, yeah, it's iconic in that respect. So that would be yep. pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, your favorite F1 driver lineup of all time? Coulthard and Hakkinen. Mm. Solid. Yep. Um, most embarrassing moment at a Grand Prix weekend? 
I just I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I'm I must have done something. Yeah, I've probably walked into the glass door in hospitality <laughs> in front of Spawn because we we have got the slowest opening glass door you've ever seen. And the button, you could literally stand on our hospitality for hours and watch people trying to get out. Oh, it, no. It's like a mime. They're doing it because you can't find the button. It's a small little, if you're ever in it, it's a small little silver button on the left-hand side. But it's not obvious. And so I've probably bumped into the door a million times and stuff like that. In a haste, you must be so yep. awkward just pressing that button being like... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, if, if we're the, ever the stairwell there. as well. I mean, the, you come so close to like stacking it. There's a stairwell in the pad. The paddock in Belgium is split, and there's a, a metal cheese grater like stairwell down there. And when it rains, oh which it always does, yep. you oh, just have oh, that fear of I'm going to stack Flip. it here in front <laughs> yeah. of everybody in that way. Uh, yeah, I think that would probably it hasn't happened, but that would definitely be one of the most embarrassing things. Yeah, yeah I, it's I'm, not manifested. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or you slip going into the garage, something like that. So because oh, no. then, of course, you know, you got an audience that is oh, waiting yeah. to destroy you <laughs> <laughs> last three questions if you could have one superpower what would it be flying flying, Fly, flying so cool. you could just get somewhere right like away. in a heartbeat yeah, yeah. what what uh, uh no i was gonna say what celebrity would be a great fit as a driver for a movie or a tv show outside of brad pitt outside, outside, <laughs> i was gonna go with brad uh at the moment good I mean, he, he's kind of racing around, but Michael Fassbender, you know, yes. he's just done Le Mans yeah. again, but he's, he's got the looks, he's got the style, he's into his racing, yep. so, yeah, I'd probably yeah. pick him, he could... He I'm, could I'm surprised he hasn't done a movie, and... He needs sports. to come back as Magneto first. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> come on now. Is that, yeah. is, is that the fanboy coming out oh, Yeah, okay. yeah. you've seen it. Yeah. Humongous X-Men fan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're writing an autobiography on your life. Which of these titles resonates best with you? The Daredevil? The dream catcher, the free spirit, or the hardest worker? <laughs> e, none of them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can create one. You can create yeah. your own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think mine would just be just go for it. Yeah. You know, which the is maybe a bit like the, the dream catcher. The go-getter. Yeah, because yeah. it's, not, it's not like I dreamed of getting into Formula One, yeah. but, you know, I made opportunities or I sought out opportunities and, and made things happen. Like I said, I didn't, I didn't wait. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it's just kind of a little bit my personality yeah. and, and that's it. So, but nobody would read my autobiography. I mean, lots of people say, oh, you must have a book in you. I don't. <laughs> so the dream catching hardest worker. Yeah. Well, <laughs> mix of it all. Yeah. There I love it. Awesome. <laughs> purple? I think purple. that's purple. Oh, 100%. Easy. Well purple. Done. I'll take that. Thank yeah. you very much. Pull. <laughs> 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 We got it. We gotta get this on the half social media. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pull. No, I can see what goes on there. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that will all go on there. So, just, <laughs> you can do it for me. Yeah. Uh, how dare they? Just to wrap up, Stuart, we always ask our guests, you know, tell us a little bit about how you want to be remembered in 30 seconds. I know you started off telling us about yourself. Mm. How do you want to be remembered? What sort of legacy do you want to leave behind? Uh, I mean, it's a very deep mm. question, but I think ultimately that we just did a good job. That that, that my communications team. Mm have one of the better reputations in the paddock for being efficient with journalists, you know, good at communication, internal, external. Um, and that, we, you know, we, we thought outside the box on some things, but it's, we're, we're kind of there to serve. Yeah. You know, it's, it's my job to make sure that media have access and it's the right access and brief them on the right thing. So I think just, I think the, the legacy would be just that, you know, we did our business right. Boom. Where can people find you on social media if they want to stay in touch, follow the journey? I'm only yeah. on Instagram and my account is private mm. because I have no desire to be any more follow the half infamous F1 than yeah. I am. So, yeah, just, just pass F1 team. That's yes. simple That's enough. It. You'll see me in the background. There you go. Love it. If you guys like this episode, please leave a review, drop a comment, and I hope you go and follow us on social media. Definitely follow the Hass F1 team, and we will see you guys in the next episode. Thanks, Stuart. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a blast.